0: Hey folks, I'm Nick D'Alessandro, and this is Wait 5 Minutes, a podcast about Florida by a Floridian. Today is our 2023 holiday special, our fourth annual holiday special episode, and I'm so grateful to get to spend this day with you. I hope... That you are having a wonderful December. If you celebrated Hanukkah, I hope you had a wonderful time. If you celebrate Christmas, I hope you're looking forward to it. If you celebrate Kwanzaa, I hope you're looking forward to it. I hope that you are having a wonderful holiday season. Whatever it is you're celebrating, if you're celebrating nothing and just enjoying the beautiful lights on everybody's homes, I hope you're having a good time doing it. I know that I am. I've been Christmas shopping like crazy. I've been going to as many things as I possibly can. But I'll tell you, haven't watched enough Movies yet. That is one of my biggest flaws right now, is I've been so busy trying to catch up as the award season approaches that I have not even watched *Christmas Vacation* or *Scrooged*, and those are two of my favorites. I haven't watched *It's a Wonderful Life*. I'm falling behind. But if you want to talk about some holiday movies, well, we've got some recommendations for you a little later on. But first things first, I want to tell you the premise of this episode. It's one of the reasons I love making these holiday episodes, because. I get to do something really exciting, something that means a lot to me, which is I get to check in with some friends from this past year, get to see what they're up to, and they get to tell me some stories about some really amazing things that uh, I love to get to share with you on this show. So, I'd like to follow through on a promise that I made earlier this year. You see, in May, I went back to Sanibel Island. It was the first time I had been since Hurricane Ian hit that island in 2022 and left it absolutely devastated an island that means a lot to me and uh, I really wanted to see what it was like and I was a little afraid and so I finally went and you heard that episode in the beginning of this summer. We went to visit Sanibel and talked a lot about the history, how it's being preserved and the environment and how it's rebuilding after the storm but I told you that I was going to go back in December and that is exactly what I did. I went back in December to go check out the island. See how it's been. It's been seven months since I had gone. And I wanted to not only see how the island was looking, but also how they celebrated the holidays. And also, they had just reopened for the holidays to run through the spring. And I am glad to tell you that they are doing very, very well. Last time I was there... A building was literally knocked sideways. It was this old schoolhouse was tilted to a degree. There was giant wooden posts holding it up. And you will soon hear in this audio that you're about to hear that that building is standing up straight. It's not quite a Christmas miracle, but it's rather a feat of human brilliance. Our ability to commit to a task and make it happen. A building that could have been torn down under other circumstances and now could be reopened sooner rather than later. So let's meet our guest for this particular trip, Mark Harmon. I'll let him introduce himself.
1: Again, my name is Mark Harmon. I'm the executive director of the Sanibel Historical Museum and Village. How long have you been in that position? Uh, Just six months. (laughs) That's great. How did (laughs) you uh, get into the, what what brought you to this position? um, Well, I've been in the museum field for more than 30 years. Oh, awesome. Um, That's been my primary role here.
0: So can you tell me about the, we were just talking a little bit about the restorations. I, I visited in May, a lot of these buildings were closed and were being, some of them were being opened. What was the renovations that have been done to now be open here for the holidays?
1: Sure, so we have 10 buildings on prop, or excuse me, 11 buildings on property. Nine of them are historic. Right. So of the historic buildings, five of the buildings have been restored or their repairs have been completed. Great. And those are the ones that are now open to everybody. Uh, that's the buildings that, like our main building, which is Shorehaven. The old Bailey's General Store, the Caretaker's Cottage, Morning Glories, and the old post office. Can we
0: talk a little bit about the schoolhouse? Absolutely, let's go. Because the last time I was here, maybe I shouldn't have been allowed inside, but we, we took a peek inside right in mm-hmm. the doorway, and I took some photos that there's, there was that back wooden plank that was right. on the back door okay. that had very strict parallel lines. Mm-hmm. You could see how drastically the building was leaning. Correct. And I, also, those big posts were up. I don't know if they're still up, it doesn't look like they are.
1: So when this building got racked
0: the only corner
1: that was still plumb was this front one, front right. Right. Yeah. So all the other corners were twisted to some degree. Yeah. They're all now straight.
0: Wow. That's I mean are those things gone, those support
1: beams? Yeah,
0: they're gone. Wow.
1: Cuz what happened was so like because this was the worst side. Yeah. They ended up taking off the entire siding.
2: Okay, Okay. sure.
1: Once they did that, they discovered um, prior to the city getting the building. Right. I mean, we're talking decades ago. Sure. Somebody did some repair works to the building that they had to make some corrections before they could put it back on. So in other words, the engineers had them come in and beef it up. So it's it's a lot stronger and safer now. And so they are just now putting the siding back up on it. Wow.
0: This is seven months. I was here seven months to the day, May 2nd. I I didn't mean to do that, that it was seven months to the day that I was here. But it's exactly seven months. I I just, the progress on that, that that is not like this, (laughs) it's not leaning in the wind, is outstanding. Do you have have a timeline of when do you think this building will be open? Or is that just, there's just so much to be done? You know, not a promise, of course. Yeah,
1: I mean, no promise. I mean, I'm going to guess based on where they're at right now that within 30 to 60 days we should be able to open this back up to the public
0: wow that's fantastic yeah. that'll be during the season yeah that's fantastic yeah
1: i mean they're doing really well um this side is is right now exterior wise it's the worst part that needs to be fixed plus this uh belfry and then there's work obviously on the inside and the windows but this company's working really well and trying to be efficient in their time. Yeah. So
0: I mean all, it's so and impressive. That, and just
1: so I should say, the company's all trades, restoration, and they've done an amazing job.
0: It's so impressive to see how much it's how, how much progress there is going along and, and yeah. I, I'm sure you guys are grateful to have to be open for people to be coming in and yeah. seeing the progress as it's happening. Yeah, even
1: if we have only five of the nine buildings open, yeah. That's great. Let sure. the public come, enjoy the site, and we're grateful for that.
0: Um, can you? I know you guys just had a holiday event yesterday. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that?
1: So last night we had our, quote, opening. Yeah. Um, and we called it Deck the Shores. <laughs> That's good. Um, it, it, they did a lot of the same things that they would during the uh, Island's Luminary Festival. Sure. Um, but a luminary didn't officially happen. Right. So a lot of the other organizations in town did things last night, and some are doing things next week on the 8th um so like we had a tree lighting ceremony we had food we had beverage we had people going through the buildings we had um the big arts chorus doing caroling that's great um and then big arts themselves had a lot of activities going on such as santa claus and their art demonstrations and things and they also had their own carolers over there (laughs) um and then we, there were other groups that had uh, activities such as the Community House in St. Michael's. That's wonderful. Um, so I think a lot of that activity brought a lot of people out um, who were just grateful to be able to do something. Hmm. Uh, I was most impressed by the fact that the number of people I talked to who had never been here before. Wow. And they're island residents.
0: Really? got to get themselves over here and see this <laughs> it's amazing yeah well uh, i know you guys obviously you're open today when are your when are you open like throughout the season so our right forward?
1: now our normal hours are tuesday through saturday from 10 to 4.
0: great and how long is that open i mean how many months is that through? well
1: this will last at least
0: through may that's great that's wonderful to hear so i yeah. it's always i feel like i've not come during an actually active season i feel like i keep okay. coming during the off season so now the show can be like hey they're at the it's actually open. Right. <laughs> come. When the last episode came out, I'm like, well, they're going to be closed till December. But, you know, in December, complete the movie. Yeah. So I actually can put out an episode during your active season. Right. <laughs> On the same property at the edge of the Sanibel Museum, there is a Christmas tree of sorts. It actually is in the shape of the Sanibel Lighthouse. The frame of the lighthouse is around it. And the ornaments, well, it is covered in little pictures of other lighthouses. It filled me with complete delight to see the way that this island is celebrating its holiday season. And as I drove around, seeing the green come back, that's what meant so much to me to see the island growing back, the forest, the beautiful trees, they're getting green again. And outside of a bunch of the homes, I'm surprised to tell you most of Sanibel and Captiva is covered in inflatables, <laughs> inflatable Santa Claus's, inflatable presents, inflatable reindeer. I was deeply amused by this presence, but even on a tropical island that is rebuilding after a storm, the holidays are making that place a little brighter. Now for our second guest this week, Rachel Williams of the Orange County Regional History Center, who tells us a little bit about a New Year's tradition, a a bit of family lore that has become a part of their everyday lexicon, and then we talk about the joys of holiday decoration. How much is too much? Hello, Rachel. Happy holidays. How are you? Hi, good. How are you? I'm very good. I, I am excited to have you because I can't believe we've done two episodes this year, but it feels like I've been bugging you. All year, so it's like the, it's it's the first year of me bugging you for historical stories to have you on. So it only felt right to have you on for the holiday episode to be like a honorary beginning of me bothering Rachel about Orlando specific stories. <laughs>
3: No, I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. So my first year of being with the History Center, so it's my first year of being on the podcast. <laughs>
0: That's right. That's perfect. It's, it coincides. Can you tell me a little bit about this uh, New Year's story that you have and in the, in the way that it has infected your life?
3: <laughs> yeah, and infected my life in a funny, random way. Um, yeah, so when I was younger, Everyone, family and friends would go to my uncle's house for New Year's Eve, because they had like a bigger piece of property and we could light off fireworks, whatever. So we had our little dinky fireworks that, you know, we would launch. And he, my uncle had like another kind of farther off neighbor, like you could kind of still see their property, but they were further away but they started lighting off fireworks and they were much nicer and bigger and more impressive than our fireworks so we just kind of stopped lighting our fireworks and everyone was just kind of watching the southern guys' fireworks and my dad's best friend named kelly had this like southern accent still has a southern accent he's from florida but he has the southern accent that most floridians don't have and um in in between these fireworks going off you just hear kelly go then people make more money than us And I don't know why, but that just made everyone laugh, especially us kids. And so we still say that like to this day, like, you know, 25 some odd years later. And even recently, um, this past Halloween, me and my sister and my roommate, who is like my family childhood, like good friend that I grew up with, um, who was there that night, we were walking around, um, like kind of, like Cherokee, like Davis area for Halloween, just looking at, you know, the decorations and the kids trick-or-treating and stuff. And we turned down this one road and these people are having like this very impressive like party with like bounce houses and they have cute little ghosts in the trees that they've made and like they have like an oyster bar and an An oyster bar on Halloween yes like these people did it which was amazing because like my house was like the Halloween house and we would make that like the party house for Halloween when I was a kid but these people took it to a whole nother level and so like we turned the corner and we're like this is this is crazy and I'm just like these people make more money than us. <laughs> right.
0: That's right. That's right. It's, a, it's a perfect expression. It, it, it encapsulates a very specific feeling that you have to say out loud.
3: Yes. Yeah. I mean, it was very impressive. Um, But yeah, it's, it's not like so holiday oriented. It's more so just something that happened on a holiday that has continued throughout my but, life.
0: What's funny about that though, is you're talking about it on Halloween and it reminds me like when you do holiday decorations like I have decorated my house I've been doing it every year and every year I try to do a little more and a little more and I try not Mm -hmm. to spend too much on getting more stuff but when I drive through Orlando because I live in Lake Mary and Sanford if if anybody's driven down Lake Mary Boulevard and they drive like straight going away from I-4 to the east there is this house that is a gated house Mm -hmm. and when you start like driving up to it you can see that there's lights like on their house but then when you pass in front of the like little smidge of a gate that you can look through it is unbelievable how decorated the house is they have the word joy in lights above like on the over of their front door it's like mm-hmm. just sitting there and when you drive by it's like crazy how decorated it is and I'm like then people have more money than
3: us. Yes, yeah. it's, it's
0: the exact how the holidays are are, are, an, are surprising way that people can express how much they invest in the decoration of their
3: homes. Yeah, absolutely. And my roommate's even the same way. Which, like, you know, she's an interior designer. I'm a historian. Like, we don't make a ton of money. Um, but my roommate loves decorating for halloween Mm. and for christmas and she will go all out and so she's just been there's just boxes of like christmas decorations because she's in the midst of still doing it even though it looks like santa's like you know decoration room exploded in my living room and my dining room and my kitchen um and the front porch (laughs) so it's 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 definitely um an accumulation over the years um that will continue to accumulate because the girl has an addiction (laughs)
0: And if you're a, a freak who likes collecting stuff like I do, you find that you just over the years have so much stuff that you're like, well, I got this. I don't need to buy anything new. I'm just, my whole place is decorated now. It happened all of a sudden mm-hmm. and now it's everywhere. Uh, do you have any, uh, do you have any uh, holiday, Christmas, New Year's, uh, Hanukkah things in Orlando, like events that you like going to off the top of your head? Um. Don't Not they do too. drones now? Don't they do drones that they like, do a Yolanda? drone light show?
3: I've never been to that.
0: I do appreciate how much the town I feel like is investing in like holiday specific things, like pop up bars, the yeah. the the drone light show. Uh, there's there's that event on Ivanhoe. Like I feel like the mm-hmm. town does a really good job of of doing various things that. Are not Orlando specific, but definitely Mm. are trying to get specifically in the vibe of it. So I do enjoy because I know the I know that fireworks can be such a a complicated thing for so many people. I, I enjoy that the city of Orlando is trying to invest in things that are spectacle still. Mm-hmm. without having the, you know, explosions in the middle of downtown vibe that that yeah. that fireworks bring. So I'm excited to see what that drone show looks like. I didn't get to see it last year.
3: Yeah. Oh, and I will say too, um, it's not necessarily like Orlando specific because it is just like my house specific. <laughs> um, so I moved into this house with my like childhood um, friend this past year, but she's lived in this house since 2020. She's been doing this, Cocktail party for Christmas Mm. every year. Mm. And we call it the BBH because it's we live in a big blue house, BBH. Um (laughs) cocktail Christmas party, where everyone that comes, if you're in a couple, you only get one. Um everyone brings their own Christmas cocktail that they make, like a back cocktail.
0: I love that. And
3: you have to name it, have like a background story for it and like garnishes and things and whoever there's like three different categories there's like best cocktail best name and best background story it's like a competition too no it is that rules that's awesome so historically you know because 30 ish people show up you're drinking all these cocktails and (laughs) get it's a time yeah and then afterwards you go out downtown (laughs) that's good we live kind of near downtown so we go downtown and then continue so it's very very fun
0: (laughs) listen i am a big fan of an of a nice themed libation it's it always works for you but that that is so good i'm gonna need to start making some holiday cocktails myself because those are if you get it right it's if it gets if it tastes good and it captures the feeling you're like put me on the cooking channel put me on food network i can do this
3: basically
0: thank you rachel happy holidays you too I'll tell you right now, as I'm recording this, there is a big storm coming in. I'm sure you all experienced it this past weekend. I'm about to experience it. For you, it's in the recent past. But a big storm hit Florida over this past weekend, and presumably it rained a lot. But as I'm recording this, the wind is whipping at the front of my house so intensely that we had to bring in the inflatable Santa Claus. I'm sorry, Santa, but we just can't live like that. So he got brought inside for his own safety. (laughs) Anyway. Uh, our second guest this week is uh, a person who's provided me some recommendations and has shown me some movies that have boggled my mind. But it is Tim Anderson from the Enzian Theater here in Orlando. We had him on in this past Halloween season in order to talk about some cult monster movies here from Florida. And he provided me with so many amazing topics that we're definitely going to check out next year i promise hopefully we'll have tim back on for the show then also we're going to be going to the florida film festival he's going to talk a little bit about that the end of the year for him is mostly dedicated to preparing for the florida film festival which we will visit this upcoming spring i promise you be ready to go and maybe we'll see each other there but tim has some unusual holiday movies to recommend to you some holiday horrors to share and some of them are already favorites of mine so let's check in with tim and the sorts of holiday horrors that people like him and i like to enjoy this time of year here's tim okay hi tim happy holidays how are you man happy holidays thanks for having me back i know you've been super busy getting ready for the uh the film festival coming up next year are you uh are you excited i mean i know you're months away from it but you must be just like (laughs) in over your head about it
2: Excited is such a loaded idea. (laughs) I'm apprehensive, terrified. Um, Sure. Yeah, we're doing great. Um, It's just about a month out from beginning final selections. And every year I look at this window and I think this is what's been watched. This is what hasn't been watched. It's impossible. We'll never do it. Uh, But we do it every year. We manage to always get through it. And I owe that to the team. They just absolutely always step up their game and unfortunately kind of give up all of their Christmases uh free time watching screeners for me so.
0: that's what i was thinking is you know you're still what five months away from it i'm like you're in december putting in the that heavy footwork already
2: yeah we started the final selections the second week of january and it takes about a month to select all the films and then it's a matter of confirming them and getting all the materials together so you can build a program and then announce the program 30 days out and then have the festival. So it is like when you look at it on a calendar, it feels like there's, there's so much time, but there's literally none. Um, no, you're in the thick of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: Well, in the spare time of you doing some preparation for the festival, uh, I requested for some crazy holiday movies. Cause I yeah. I know that I find myself obsessed with the strange christmas horrors and christmas unusual christmas genre movies that that, that can be found on on shutter and Screenbox in the depths of amazon if you go looking that far but can you yeah. give some recommendations of of some stuff for people to check out if they want to uh, uh change up the, from the usual holiday flair uh this is one
2: yeah i'll actually uh i've got some really good ones and then i've got one i've just literally watched yesterday and it's gonna seem like an outlier but I'm going to sell you on it because um, even if you have seen it, you've got to rewatch it and really look at it through the lens of 2023. So, um, I, you know, I have always kind of put together. I'm always dealing with Halloween, so I'm always dealing with horror movies and I'm always dealing with kind of the weird and the obviously bizarre. Um, so for me, for Christmas movies, I actually kind of really just like really like traditional Christmas movies for the most part and the ones I watched when I was a child. Um, but uh, there is a couple of kind of crazy Christmas movies that I'm a huge fan of, one of which is that because obviously when I was on the last time we talked about Freaky Fridays and Freaky Fridays actually had a soft launch in December of 2021 um, that in created the program. And we did it as a secret screening, but I told everybody we were going to do the weirdest Christmas movie I'd ever seen. Um, and the movie is Dial Code Santa Claus, uh, which is a French film that came out about uh, six, eight months before they made Home Alone. And it's about a kid who Santa Claus is is not really Santa Claus. He's a thief. He breaks into this house, uh, this palatial French house. And um, the kid is home alone with his dog and santa kills the dog because the dog attacks him and the kid watches it he believes this is santa claus and then he rigs the entire first the house is like his father's like security guy so it's like the purge all the doors lock down and the windows so no one can get out so now he's in the house with Santa Claus and he booby traps the entire house to murder Santa Claus, who he is the kid who is, you know, 10 absolutely completely believes that this is Santa Claus. That's so funny. The filmmaker sued Chris Columbus, John Hughes and 20th Century Fox when Home Alone came out because there are absolutely wholesale moments of this movie that are in Home Alone but they, of course, claim that they've never seen this film before, that it never, you know, it was not on their radar. And of course, it was really basically only released in France. That but it's unbelievable. Can that is crazy. Check out Dial Code Santa Claus. It has variable other names it was released under, but you can find it under Dial Code Santa Claus, which is the English translation of the French title, which was a number Père Noël. Uh, and the number was actually a phone number you could dial on like a public pay phone anywhere in france there was a free call to the north pole so oh, that you could seriously? talk to santa claus
0: oh that's so cool okay that that's um, very funny
2: yeah so my other couple the one i always tell people my my favorite horror christmas movie is the film christmas evil
0: so good um, i love which christmas is evil so yeah. much.
2: and the thing i like about it is that um i mean it's about a guy who works in a toy store and <laughs> You know, everybody's horrible to him and he gets unhinged and he decides to just kill everybody for not being in the Christmas spirit. Um, But what I like about the movie is that when it was originally released, it was released under the title You Better Watch Out. And John Waters, I think, says it's his favorite Christmas movie ever made. I mean, Uh, that's
0: as good of a selling point on the vibe. Yeah, but but I
2: actually think You Better Watch Out is a better... Title for the Absolutely. movie because he's dressed as Santa Claus as he's killing everybody.
0: Right, and it's also because the whole premise is that he is punishing them. For he's punishing you Christmas for being bad. Other. Yeah, yeah.
2: So I really no, love that one a lot. The movie is
0: weirdly very like emotional. When I, I, I don't no, like it's a drama. I think it. I seriously
2: think it's like a half a drama.
0: It's, it's like very <laughs> serious. Like it's if for a movie that's ostensibly a slasher. It like takes yeah. his emotions very seriously. <laughs> like, it is okay. totally
2: confused. <laughs>
0: It's <laughs> a good way to put it.
2: Um, And then my other one is recent. And I did it last year at Enzian for um our, we have like a kind of 12, used to call it kind of the 12 days of Christmas, but now we just call it kind of the Christmas film series because it's very hard to slot 12 films in over the holiday window because there's not a lot of open availability at the theater. But uh, for the Music Mondays, I really wanted to play Anne on the Apocalypse.
0: That's on and... my list this year. I've never seen it.
2: Yeah, I saw it at the world premiere at uh, Fantastic Fest. And then afterwards, the cast sang karaoke and got hammered. And it was absolutely insane. But it is Glee meets Dawn of the Dead, I guess. (laughs) So, which is it is a high school musical uh, set at Christmas during the zombie apocalypse. And the students at the school have to fight back the zombies. But they also sing Christmas songs. They have dance numbers um it's a it's a weird movie it's weird
0: (laughs) it's a weird movie (laughs) But the
2: songs are incredible it's streaming on a bunch of platforms highly recommend Anne and the Apocalypse and Ella Hunt uh the star of the film they're an incredible performer so the last one is we have a Weekday matinee series at Enzian, And one of the things that I had really been pushing on for a couple of years, I couldn't really find a print of it to play, was um, the Arnold Schwarzenegger Sinbad film Jingle All the Way. So if you have seen it, if you haven't seen it, I promise you, you need to revisit this in 2023, because this is a movie that when I ran, when I was a store manager of a Suncoast Motion Picture Company for four years, we probably played this movie 30 to 40 times a year during those years that I was there. So I've heard the dialogue of this movie 200 times, maybe. In fact, in my head, I I haven't watched it in probably 15 years. I I knew all the lines that were coming up, even though I couldn't kind of remember what was going on. What I did not recognize is that this movie, it exists in a time and place where we, and we talk about this a lot, where films are very much of their era. And the joke is, you know, like that didn't age well, like is kind of the current like vibe. And this isn't really a that didn't age well. This is more of a no one on earth would ever agree to green light this screenplay today. So one of the, the central tenet of the film is that it was based on the Furby craze and people were like trying to kill other people to get a stuffed animal uh Mielmo me Elmo was the same problem but I think actually tickle me was maybe the year after this movie came out um but it's two dads who want to get a turbo man doll for their kid one's a postal worker and one of them's like this kind of douchey uh business fan. I forget what his business is I literally just watched the movie yesterday and I can't yeah. tell you it's as, but it's, that's it's, short it's, sin it's Sinbad's, yeah Sinbad's the postal worker and they you can't get one because it's Christmas Eve and they didn't buy one there's all these, Sinbad has all these diatribes where he goes off in almost essentially his stand-up routine. So he's riffing on like Rodney King and racism in America and he's strangling this woman in line because he's like lost and like, like this is a children's movie. Like, it's
0: completely unhinged. You have completely convinced me. I have not watched Single All The Way in probably six or seven years because I'm not a big Arnold guy, but that honestly is going to be a top of my list of rewatches because that sounds insane (laughs) so
2: there's a million other movies but like to me that that trifecta of the horror weirdness movies those are like that's peak christmas and there's so many others but you can google all of those but I'm, i'm telling you like right now like i would have never yesterday morning doing this interview told you guys to watch jingle all the way but i'm telling you like run don't walk to whatever streaming platform it is on <laughs>
0: yeah. That is perfect. I love that. Uh, are there any? Um, uh, this is coming out December eighteenth. Um, are there any uh, upcoming events at Enzian that you want to share for the rest of December and into the new year? So there's a
2: big New Year's party coming up at Enzian uh, that we do every year. It's a James Bond New Year's party. Uh, you know, dressed to the nines, um, open bar, cocktails, appetizers. You know, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I would say on Boxing Day, the day after Christmas, our thirty five millimeter screening is sort of an anti Christmas movie. Everybody uh, talks about, like, you know, oh, Die Hard's a Christmas movie, this is a Christmas movie, but the one that is literally, legitimately a Christmas movie is Eyes Wide Shut. So we're going to do it. We got a 35 millimeter for Stanley Kubrick's Eyes Wide Shut. It's It all takes place on, like, Christmas Eve.
0: <laughs> Christmas lights have never looked better in a movie than in Eyes Wide Shut. They look um, so beautiful in that movie.
2: Yeah, there's all kinds of talk about it being Christmas in the movie, but, I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, but at the end of the day, it's 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 Eyes Wide Shut. And the movie that absolutely destroyed Tom Kidman, or Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Tom Kidman, that's what they should have got. Tom Kidman,
0: gone right, at. that's what they Tom Kidman's
2: gone, gone. marriage. So yeah, it's exciting anytime we get to play Kubrick in 35mm, but we've never done Eyes Wide Shut before. And it just was like, what a magical day to play.
0: <laughs> Thank you, Tim. It was good talking to you. Thanks for having me. If you like bizarre slashers like I do, I cannot recommend Christmas Evil enough to you. And why not pair it with New Year's Evil, a (laughs) hilariously named, you know, it's so clever both of these names basically having the same name, just turning the word Eve into evil. But a great movie and a great pairing. Christmas Evil and New Year's Evil. Enjoy. And now for our last guest on the holiday episode, our friend Jack Prater from the Tampa Bay Times. We visited the beautiful Tampa Bay with him at the end of this summer. And as an environmental reporter, Jack is always finding new things to talk about in our environment. And he actually got to share some really amazing stuff about some locally grown Florida Christmas trees. Here's Jack. Hi, Jack. Happy holidays
4: hey happy holidays how's it going
0: it's going pretty good is it is it colder over in your neck of the woods or is it's
4: it... nice i mean i slept with the windows open last night and i oh. think the county opened up cold shelters and stuff like yeah. that so i think it dropped into the 40s from what i what i read yeah. but it
0: must be a little colder yesterday was brutal i'm for yeah. a weakling like me yesterday was brutal and now i'm like walking around my house in a sweatshirt being like has <laughs> got to a... Gotta keep my temperature up. I'm gonna it's too cold outside. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, how was it? I mean, you were just out in the woods, like literally today. Can you talk uh, a little bit about it? How was it out there?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, since we're on the weather topic, it was beautiful. Like clear skies, nice, like crisp seventy degrees. So I love it. Um, I'm so jealous. Yeah, no, it was great. Um, no, it was, it was, it was a good time. Um, I was out on uh about, I guess it was sixty acres of uh of pine tree forest land so and farmland. Um but yeah it was no it it was it was nice. Uh out in Pasco in Dade City, there's a couple of uh Christmas tree farms and uh like I mentioned to you a little bit ago, but uh you know I'm just working on a on a story at the times here breaking down the most sustainable way to uh you know have a christmas tree this year um and uh it led me through uh you know a bunch of calls to uf ifas scientists and you know hour-long discussions about tree science and what grows where and a million strains of christmas tree like but not exactly uh pines that we have in florida um and yeah
2: tree like (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: well, that's the big caveat that a lot of farmers, uh, farmers, you know, start off with, uh, is that in Florida, we have sand pines, uh, which are not, you know, the big Douglas firs that you see in North Carolina and Oregon and the classic Christmas tree that you get at Lowe's or Publix or things like that. Um, we have these shrimpy, wiry little uh, pine trees that, uh, that are honestly kind of like Charlie Brown trees, but I think they're <laughs> like lovable for that. So
0: it's the whole point of the Charlie Brown tree, right? It's not about the tree. It's how you decorate it.
4: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no. So um, the, the the big draw with these um, out in, in a lot of rural areas um, is or at these tree farms. I mean, uh, is that, you know, a lot of the growers let you come out uh and cut them down yourself and you know you're probably thinking of uh what's that holiday movie christmas I'm vacation. Blanking on? yes christmas, christmas vacation going into the woods yeah. and cutting down this huge tree but it's really not like that i watched someone do it today took them 30 seconds because like i said they're these tiny little little like skinny trees um and yeah it's not <laughs> it's not the ordeal that you'd expect and uh, it seems like people have a good time doing them uh, are doing it and and you know a lot of these uh, tree farms have thrived um, in the last few years but you know like a lot of farms around the country and especially in Florida with a struggling citrus and agriculture industry um, a lot of farms have closed in the last few years so there's there's always that downside of it Um, but no it was it was beautiful out there and I can see why why people want to do it.
0: <laughs> how do you do you have any estimate on how long there have been Christmas trees like this being able to be cut down in florida is that a fairly new thing is that a thing that goes back longer than than recently
4: oh no yeah this is this is an old florida tradition from what i'm gathering a little bit um i haven't really had the time to sit down and and you know go back through oral histories or you know just check archives or anything like that um but from what i've heard uh this is something that has been pretty prevalent in florida um, forever. I mean, these are all native uh, species to Florida. There's uh, the sand pines, at least. There's uh, one species that lives, lives. Well, no, they live. Yeah, they Trees live. live. They, live. <laughs> they, they build a little house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that They grow pretty abundantly um, up in uh, the panhandle. And then we have another subspecies over in like the Ocala forest area.
0: That's amazing. You know, as a It's so funny because I want to sit here and be like, how did I not know this? My family has not had a live tree in our house ever. Maybe we are an artificial tree family, but like, I I think, I just wonder how much, maybe it's just one of those things. It's like you live in a bubble and you don't know, but I'm like, I don't know how I didn't know that because that's an amazing thing. And the fact that you could do obviously in Christmas Vacation it's so cold that the daughter's eyelids for her eyes freeze. Right. And that's just not the ecosystem that you're going to be cutting down trees. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but what, I mean, how big, like, are they getting tall? Like, are they getting like six, seven feet tall or are they shrimpier guys? Than oh they?
4: no, I've, I've, I've got a good, I've got it going for you. I was shocked. So the first, I pull up in my car uh and I see this giant, like, yardstick but much higher than a yard Um, with uh, showing feet and uh, a monetary value and I asked him and it goes 16 feet tall and I'm like you're telling me yeah so I asked the grower the first thing I did I was like that that you know measurement that you have out there like do you get trees do you grow trees that are 16 feet tall and he's like yeah well I haven't had them in a while but uh, but yeah they, they do they we do get them that tall and I was I was kind of blown away by that. Now I don't know. I didn't elaborate and I gotta call him back, but I, I don't know if those are sand pine specifically. Uh or cause he sold a couple. There's a there's maybe 10 or, or a couple dozen species of of pines that are, like I said, kind of Christmas like. Um, but yeah, no, these are these are these can get to be pretty, pretty big trees and, and people that's are buying amazing. them at 16 feet.
0: <laughs> wow. So. That's remarkable. Cause when we're talking, I mean, obviously our pine, I think a lot of like the longleaf pines which yeah. are massively tall and obviously mm-hmm. don't have a Christmas tree like consistency to them at all. They are right. more like redwoods than they do like Christmas trees, but like the idea that they have that shape enough to it. I mean, that's amazing. So, so which kind of the trees were in Pasco County where you were today?
4: Uh these were uh, a lot of sand pines and uh I'm blanking on the the other name of them it's somewhere in my notes um but also I wanted to to backtrack really quickly cuz there there's another caveat when I'm talking about uh Christmas tree like um they don't grow honestly in that uh traditional Christmas tree shape that you are thinking of the growers have to trim them uh twice a year to get them to look you know, like a Christmas tree. So
0: okay, so they're yeah. like cutting, they're like cutting and letting this part down here grow right. wider, and then letting this part grow a little. You know, cutting trimming that back so that it grows. So then they're making that
4: conal shape. Yep, yep, exactly.
0: Amazing, That's incredible.
4: <laughs> yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and no, they look, I, they got that
4: shape. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I said, they're they're um they're a little wiry, and the branches look they don't stick straight out like. You know those Douglas firs and the big beautiful evergreens um, from up north. Uh, they kind of like look like they've had a bad hair day, where their branches are just tangled up a little bit. Um, but uh, but no, it's yeah, it's something they have to they have to trim them, and and they look pretty, pretty, like they look pretty close to to at least from afar. You know, you might not be able to tell the difference.
0: <laughs> I would love to see one decorated. I would love to see how they how they come out looking because. It sounds like they're a pretty suitable replacement. I mean, so we're talking about part of what you said in the initial email too, is that this is like an environmentally conscious thing, or it's a, or I'm trying to remember the exact language you were thinking of. But like, is it better for us to have local trees, or is it does it really not matter?
4: Yeah, no, I mean, this is, uh, this is buying and and cutting down, you know, your own local tree uh, is honestly the most sustainable way. At least it seemed like in in my reporting uh you know to to bring a christmas tree home because you know your alternatives are uh and i'm not shaming you because uh don't let this get out but i also have a plastic tree at home <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh um but you know your your options are a cheaply made uh plastic tree made from fossil fuels shipped you know across the oceans uh to your home or a Tree from up north uh a fur from up north that has to be shipped you know trucked down from sometimes oregon but closer is you know north carolina that area um and christmas trees actually have to be refrigerated in in trucking which i didn't realize yeah so you're you have huge transportation and emissions uh uh impact there um so yeah so going to a local tree farm, supporting a local farm, first of all, <laughs> is, uh, is good for, for uh, small rural economies, uh, but also, you know, just uh, cutting down these trees that have a relatively small footprint and uh, uh, is, is really the, the best option. And the National uh, Forest Service actually lets you uh, get permits in national forests across the country where I think they range from like five to $15 maybe uh, where you can get a permit and go out and cut your own tree. And that's especially important in Florida, where bringing back the longleaf uh, ecosystems you mentioned, uh, sand pines grow pretty densely and uh, cover, can cover and have covered uh, areas in longleaf forests that are kind of uh, choking out uh, longleaf ecosystems. So, because sand pines take like five years uh, to grow to maturity and longleaves are, you know, take much longer. Um, a lot of these, a lot of at least in Florida, a lot of uh, national forests, state forests, uh, are letting people come in and cut them around Christmas time to you know let the forest breathe a little bit um, and let those long leaves uh, take over where they they should naturally be.
0: That's amazing that that is even a thing that we could do that adds this benefit of of our seasonal economy, right? That's just right. that's, that's got to be something the farmers are are grateful for and probably take advantage of too and are like we, we could be a part of this system
4: yeah yeah no definitely and um i think a lot of that just kind of stems from the fact that like you know there's or maybe not this might not be super connected but uh, uh at least a um like a common misconception is you know c- like cutting christmas trees that's got to be bad for the environment well no i mean there we're growing a ton of trees and they get cut down and they get replaced you know so they're that that's really that's not a not an issue here because um you know these farms are on uh, big pieces of property. I think uh, the grower I talked to, um, Tony Harris, said he has up to like fifteen thousand trees um, that he sells. And you know we walked around and there's everything from a tiny sapling that was planted a few months ago to a eight foot tall sand pine um, that uh, that's been in the ground for five or more years. Um, and it's not like they're coming through and clear cutting their whole farms. Like they're all planted, uh, you know, spaced out, um, in at different times. And uh, and it's yeah, it's just cool to see, you know, the natural longleaf forest right on the edge of his property, and then this manicured <laughs> Christmas tree farm, uh, right next door. And they're they're both you know helping take CO two out of the atmosphere and give us some more oxygen. So. It's working all the same. (laughs) Thank you, Jack. Happy holidays. Yeah, (laughs) thanks so much, Nick. Good Let's get a good
0: Florida Christmas tree.
4: (laughs) Honestly, I'm all for it, so.
0: (laughs) Now, I am unfortunately part of the problem with my plastic tree, but if I was ever convinced to get a natural tree, you bet your bottom dollar I'm going to get a Florida Christmas tree. We also were supposed to have our friends from the orange county public library on the holiday episode this year but unfortunately we were unable to find a proper time to chat but that doesn't mean that i can't give a shout out to all the good work that they do they ran a wonderful toy drive that got lots of toys for the community for children in the community as well as other community events i love the library as always and they don't stop just because it's the holidays. They are always doing things, looking out for the people around us. So go check out and see more of what the Orange County Public Library is up to and say hello to our friend Nathalie if you see them there. And that's it for our holiday special. I hope you enjoyed checking in with our friends. I know that I did, and it really means a lot to me that this show builds a, a community over the years. I cannot tell you how grateful I am that there are some wonderful, incredibly intelligent people who are willing to show up and let me blab their ear off and are willing to share their own lives with me every year on this show every month i have people on who are willing to tell me about the things that they are passionate about the things that they study they get to share their work and we are all the beneficiaries of that to get to learn about the thing that matters to them and I promise you, we have got some new stories ahead. I'm looking right now as I speak to you at my closet door, which as usual is covered in sticky notes of topics we're going to talk about next year. Oh my gosh, I'm just, look- I'm just smiling looking at the list ahead. Next season is going to be so great. Three seasons next year, we're going to have such a good time and hopefully make some new friends who will be on the holiday special next year. I will see you in February. February? fifth I'm very much looking forward to it until then I hope you have a very very happy holiday a very happy new year I hope your 2023 treats you well I hope you look back on this year with fondness you deserve that and I hope you are just as excited for 2024 as I am the world is a scary place right now and I'm grateful for this little bubble of good stories that we get to share together it means more to me than I have the ability to tell you Here's to new stories next year, and here's to brighter days ahead. I will see you on February 5th for our new spring season. Until then, be good to yourself, be good to others. Let me say that again. Be good to yourself, be good to others. Drink more water. And as always, this year. It began this year and it's going to carry on forever. Zora Neale Hurston's quote that truly has inspired me all year. Our new closing line. Go Gator and muddy the water. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. See you in 2024.